0: Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, Pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. What do you do when Christianity goes out of fashion? Well, you are tempted to do something very stupid. The same thing that an aging woman does when she is insecure about her husband's love and her own beauty. You are tempted to go to the plastic surgeon. You're tempted to wear things that you probably ought not to wear. And you do a new thing And it usually doesn't turn out very well. And that, sadly, is the way that today's gospel reading is often taken. Jesus says that the Spirit is coming and that He is going to fill in everything that you can't bear to hear now. He's going to guide you into all the truth. And the implication is that all means more truth than you had before. And so you should look for the Holy Spirit to be doing a new thing. But for some reason, that new thing is always the same thing. That is to modify the Bible and to explain it away somehow. The Spirit must come and He must do a new thing. Times have changed too much. The church has to change too or else die. But remember, honestly, will anything good come out of insecurity? One of you asked me this week why the word day in the six days of creation has to mean 24 hours. Why couldn't it mean a whole age of time, an era? Why couldn't Genesis and 1 and 2 simply be a mythical story, a beautiful story, without having to believe that it actually happened that way too? Well, the answer is in the text of Genesis 1 and 2 itself, which doesn't read like mythology at all, but like history. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. I ask you, isn't that how we still define 24-hour days? Of course it is. But let's just say that it was only a myth. What would its point be? When the mythical serpent tempts the mythical Adam and Eve in chapter 3, saying, did God really say all that stuff to you? Isn't the point of that that it was bad to doubt God's Word? So there it is. Either the Bible is God's Word and therefore it is truthful, or it isn't, and who cares? The one thing that you just can't do, though, is to refuse to hear the Scriptures on their own terms. Another person this week asked an even more common question. Why, if people have changed with the times, why can't religion change too? Or put another way, if people and society change, why can't the church change? Why can't God and our view of Him change? Now, there are a lot of problems with this line of questioning. First, we have to ask is it really true that people have changed so much over the years? Or is human nature, that is sinful nature, pretty much the same throughout all the ages? Second, there's a faulty assumption here that all change that has happened is good and ought to be welcomed. But third, and to the heart of the matter, the reason that the church cannot change with humanity is that the church never claimed to be founded on human ideas at all. Christianity makes this claim. It's a bold one. That we have words from God. We are teaching what He gave to us, not even what we figured out by looking for him so yes if our church and religion were the invention of people it probably would change as people change and not just across the centuries but constantly but in truth no we have and we hold and we live what comes from God himself to depart from those words, that is, to change them, even if you don't think that they're very good, that is, to depart not from people or tradition, but to depart from God. And that is to do exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden, if you believe that myth as I do. And the problem is, Departing like this comes all too naturally to us. It is the nature of our fallen human flesh to doubt God. It is the essence of original sin, the one that Adam and Eve committed, yes, but also the root of our thinking and desiring as well. To believe ourselves, to be wiser than God, to resist listening to Him. And to enshrine our own minds and wills as the thing that is truly divine and worth our attention. There's a special theological term for this enthusiasm. That word means literally, God's essence is in you. Now, the gentle version of that teaching is that God speaks to you in your heart or in your mind, or through your feelings and desires. But the logical conclusion of enthusiasm, which few dare to admit, but many come to believe, is that you actually are God. Now, just as Adam and Eve thought that God spoke louder to them in their own desires and in their own ideas and perception of the world around them than He had already in His Word when He said to them, Eat from any tree of the garden except for this one. In the same way, enthusiasm clings to humanity, whether that's inside or outside of the church. Those who have no religion, naturally tend to believe that they are the closest thing to a God if there is one. And they usually act accordingly. But, this is what I want to say to you, how common it is among those who wish to be known as Christians to say that God is talking in our hearts The best-selling devotional book for a few years now claims that Jesus was calling directly to its author. And she wrote in the introduction how she wanted more than the Scriptures. Can you hear that? She wanted more than God's Word. And every time a mainline Protestant denomination decides that they wish to change their position always on the same predictable topics, by the way, to match what is popular in the world. And isn't this the very thing that we try to warn insecure school children about? Not to bend to peer pressure. What is it they exclaim to justify their change? They always say, God is doing a new thing. And how do they know that? They know that because God couldn't possibly contradict what people want, what we want, what we feel, what we desire. And some will even use today's gospel reading, this phrase, that the Spirit will lead you into all truth to defend it. The implication they take from this Bible passage is that the Bible's truth was only a partial truth. But that's what the Holy Ghost is for. To come and haunt people. To make them Spirit-led people. Because once you are a Spirit-led person, then whatever you want or do, well, that is God's will. Saints, this sort of enthusiasm is pure spiritual poison for you. It is a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If not, Lord have mercy, the blasphemy which the Lord says will not be forgiven. But what else could we call the audacity to say, I know what God wants because that's what I want. If I'm ever harsh with any of you about this, please bear with me. It is because enthusiasm in all of its forms leads us back into our sinful nature not into deeper communion with the holy trinity do not be deceived god of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth the way of christianity is not to follow the truth deep down in your own heart you and saint james both know what flows out of the heart a whole lot of talk a whole lot of anger, not to mention a lot of filthiness and rampant wickedness also. But instead, the way to God is always receiving with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. That Word comes from the outside of us like a seed sown into the soil. The Holy Spirit works by the Word of God. He convicts us of sin, as Jesus says today, because we do not naturally believe in Him. God is not found within us. Rather, He comes from the outside, yes, often to correct us, to break into our hearts, and if anything, to fix them, to adjust us, And once there, He must convince us then of a righteousness that doesn't come from within us, but comes from without of us. It comes from Jesus Christ going to His Father as a sacrifice to redeem us. It comes from Jesus, His salvation, His forgiveness, His cleansing of our consciences to make them right before Him. And the Spirit also steals us against the devil with all of his temptations, especially when we find that we are the strange ones in this world who stick to God's truth and do not budge as the people and the times change around us. So what about that Spirit's guiding that Jesus talks about in today's Gospel, which is so often misused to set aside the Scriptures whenever there are enough people who no longer agree with what they say. Well, I want you to listen to Jesus' real words again now. And as you do, I want you to remember when Jesus said these words. He said them to his disciples on Holy Thursday night, hours before he was crucified. I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Now first of all, there is a very misleading translation here because Jesus did not say the Spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth as our ESV has it. But rather, Jesus said He will guide you in all the truth. The truth is not a destination, something we don't have yet that we will arrive at later. But He is leading us and guiding us in the truth. It is the pathway on which the Spirit leads us from start to finish. And sadly, when they updated our hymn of the day, they also missed this and put into as well. Well, maybe I'm nitpicking, but this translation matters. It matters because the enthusiasts of the world of all ages cling to it in its false understanding. Jesus does not promise that He is sending the Holy Spirit to rewrite the teachings of the church after Jesus dies and rises and ascends. Jesus is not claiming that the Zeitgeist is den Heiligen Geist, that is, that the Spirit of the times is the Holy Spirit. That would be nothing other than saying we are the Holy Spirit whenever we decide that enough of us want something. What a joke. This text has much more to do, rather, with the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures which the Holy Spirit Himself has written by the pens of the prophets and the apostles. Much more to do with that than it does with any of the winds of change that blow through the church today or yesterday or tomorrow. For how is it that the Holy Spirit could change His own word? How could He contradict Christ's words or His Father's words when He says today that The Spirit will not speak of His own accord, but only what He hears from the Father and the Son. We, then, hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the Holy Scriptures, of the prophets and the apostles. In these, we have the revelation of God to us, which we have no authority to change. In fact, our very desire to change them, that comes not from our superior wisdom but it comes from our sin no it is the scriptures that must change us that is the Holy Spirit's convicting and convincing work Jesus told the apostles that the Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come Now, we're hearing that today on a Sunday after Easter, so we might think that it refers to something coming after Jesus' ascension in two weeks. Maybe even something that's going to happen now in our changing times and with our new human ideas. But remember when Jesus is saying these words. Remember that he preached these words on the night when he was betrayed. So what were the things that were coming? They were His innocent suffering and death to redeem you. They were His glorious resurrection for your justification. That is what the Holy Spirit is to declare to us, dear saints. That's why Jesus went on and said, The Spirit is going to glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. So He will take it all and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's work of convicting and convincing has at its center this conviction, that Christ's justifying death and resurrection are yours, are ours. Shall we give these up? Shall we treat them like a myth? shall we be bored or embarrassed by them? God forbid. Here we have eternal life. Here in Christ we have a clean conscience and we do have communion with God. So we neither blaspheme nor refuse the work of the Holy Spirit, but receive with meekness this inscripturated word, which is able to save our souls. An insecure bride does not need to mutilate her body to have confidence that she is pleasing to her husband. What she needs is to hear again, Dear wife, I love you. And what I have promised and what I have done for you has not changed, nor will it. And that is the Holy Spirit's work to us, which He does in the Holy Scriptures and in their preaching, declaring to us the marvelous comfort which we sing again. Your Jesus says, Hold fast to me, I am thy rock and castle, thy ransom I myself will be, For thee I strive and wrestle, for I am with thee, I am thine, and evermore thou shalt be mine, and the foe shall not divide us." Alleluia! Christ is risen! Thank you for listening to the Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbachristi.blogspot.com and if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor@denzer.org. That's P-A-S-T-O-R at D-A-E-N-Z-E-R dot O-R-G Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Amen.